Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am your host, uh, Tom Reed, and uh, joined as always by our fine Penguin writers, Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. Also, uh, we will have a guest appearance a little bit later in the show for the Athletics, uh, Dom LeCision, who is their really their national analytics guy. So we'll talk a little bit of analytics, how he got into analytics, uh, how they may apply to the Penguins this season. Uh, but I want to start with a, a story that uh, our own Dave Molinari wrote this weekend. Uh, he caught up with Mike Matheson. Uh, nice interview. Uh, please go on to our website at DK Pittsburgh Sports and give it a read. Uh, but just in reading the story, you, you just remember that this is about a year ago, the Matheson trade uh, with the Panthers uh, for Patrick Hornquist, obviously a, a fan favorite here, uh, won a couple of cups. Uh, Colton Sevier and Matheson and his big contract and his big potential uh, to the Penguins for Patrick Hornquist. Taylor, a year later, uh, how do you rank this trade? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, if, if Hornquist was going to be moved out, um, I don't know. Because he had he had some trade protection. I mean, well, I mean he could – he. But it was a full no trade clause, right? Like he kind of had their their hands tied. Uh, if, <laughs> but as far as what they got back from Florida, I mean, it's fine. Uh, they're missing that nut front presence. Matheson, I thought he had a good season last year for for the Penguins. Um, playing Cody CC, definitely like a resurgence for him in his career. Um, and he's really, I mean, he's the only piece really to talk about from that trade. Colton Seabeard, who just here one year, he's not coming back, but. Um, Matheson, if he can keep improving, I mean, it's it's a fine trade. Dave, for 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 our listeners who had had have not had a chance to look at your story yet, uh, what did what did uh, Matheson have to say when you in in your interviews? What some of the, what are the, some of the things that stood out to you? Well, I mean, he made a point several times of saying, you know, that he is he thought that he did some things well last season. Uh, there were other things that he thought he could have done better, but uh, something he repeated several times, volunteered it throughout the course of the interview, was that he doesn't believe that he has you know, run out of uh, room to grow in his game. He thinks that he has more to give uh, than he showed last season, and I'm sure the 
the Penguins hope that he's correct about that. I think he, you know, I think he was perfectly fine. I thought he got better as as the season went along. Um, you know, but I I I don't think it's unreasonable to to believe that he can still uh, continue to uh, upgrade his game, especially defensively. I you know he's he's never going to be Rod Langway or you know Rob Scuderi or. Brooks Orbig, but you know, uh, neither would those guys uh, be the offensive force that he's capable of being. So, you know, he he was good, uh, but I think he can be better. Um, obviously, last year this was a trade. Of course, there were there were some Penguins fans like, oh, get rid of Hornquist for a guy who obviously brought in a big contract, and then they paired him with another player who uh, from the analytics community and, and a lot of other communities, Cody CC, that was like, oh, my God, what are the Penguins doing? And, yeah, Taylor, those two played pretty well together. And your thoughts on that partnership? And now where where does Matheson go? Who, who ends up – who do you think ends up partnering with him this season? Yeah, I mean, Cody CC. everyone talks about how, like, oh, the analytics, the analytics. I don't – know what actually they're talking about because his analytics weren't really that bad uh coming here he, he i mean he didn't have a great season um i test anything otherwise uh, in in toronto uh but the analytics like his isolated impact really weren't that bad either way um or he wasn't positive or negative strongly um but yeah that that pairing with matheson uh they were good together that's going to be tough to replace because well you need someone who's Defense, responsible defensively with Mike Matheson. Otherwise, you get the Mike Matheson experience more often than you want it. Um, where it's like sometimes he's doing something incredible, like off, offensively, and then you know awful turnover. Um, but yeah, as far as a partner, I don't know if I still think we talk about every episode how moving out Pedersen might be a good idea, and then that you know would change the defense. Um, I mean, the options on the right side. In Marino, um, and then it sounds like Friedman is going to play on the right side. Um, so the two of them, one's going to be with Pedersen, one's going to be with Matheson if nothing else changes. Um, I don't know what the best option is there to, to pair with, with, with Matheson, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still think changes have to be going. Dave, you've, you've seemed to have been in, in, in the past when we've, we've kind of broached the, the, the defensive pairing, possible pairings, of maybe giving Marino a shot to move back up to the second pairing. Do you think he would work well with uh, Matheson? Uh, yeah, and I certainly think he would be the best option, you know, of the guys who are on the payroll today. Um, you know, he uh, showed, especially during his rookie season, that he can be extremely effective in, in the defensive end. And, and Matheson needs a partner like that, you know, somebody who can uh, – who can, for lack of a better term, cover for him when he decides to take an offensive gamble. I mean, much the way that Brian Dumoulin does for Chris Letang. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't want to restrain a guy with offensive ability, uh, you know, by by pairing him with, with somebody else who, you know, relies primarily on their offensive ability but uh, doesn't have as much as the, as the first guy. So, you know. All things uh, staying the same as they are today, I would certainly uh, think that Marino should be the uh, the first guy to get a, sh a shot at uh, playing alongside Matheson. 
Dave, I didn't ask you this last word on this subject. Did, did you like, I mean, a year later, do you like the trade? And let's specifically, you know, to give, to get something, you got to give it up. How much did they miss Hornquist? And given that, what do you think of the trade a year later? Well, I'm, I'm a proponent of, of the idea that it's better to trade a guy a year too early than a year too late. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that last year was the final one that Hornquist can be productive in the NHL. But, you know, the way he plays, he's got a lot of hard miles on him. And at some point, he's going to hit the wall. Uh, there's no question the Penguins missed his net front presence last year. They, they never really did come up with an adequate uh, replacement for that. Uh, but I didn't mind the trade as much when it was made as a lot of people seem to. And a year after the fact, I, I still feel that way. I think there's still some untapped potential with Matheson where he is capable, doesn't mean he will, but that he's capable of getting his game to a level where that contract isn't nearly as uh, frightening to uh, people as, as it appeared to be a year ago. Yeah. Uh, before we get into our second segment, in which we're going to look, uh, as you know, we're going through our, the divisions in the NHL. We're going to focus on the Central Division in today's podcast. But really sad news coming out of the NHL on Monday uh, with uh, the, the, the death of Jimmy Hayes, uh, just 31 years old, uh, found in his home on Monday in Boston, uh, you know, probably best remembered uh, for, for playing with the Blackhawks, the Bruins, the Panthers, the Devils, bounced around. Uh, but his, his final year was on under contract on contract with the Penguins, attended training camp, and then was played with uh, Wilkes Barra Scranton. Uh, Taylor, you wrote a uh, nice story this morning on uh, on that. What what do you recall about Hayes' uh, time in the organization? Yeah, I mean, I I was you know writing about Wilkes Barra back then, 2018-19, um, when he was down there. I remember. Uh, he had a good season. I thought, you know, he'd get, you know, a shot in Pittsburgh at some point. But um, uh, the story I wrote about, because I, I interviewed him when he was done in Wilkes-Barre, is right after they found out um, the, they, 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 he and his wife, that they're having their first son, um, Bo. Uh, Bo just celebrated his second birthday on over the weekend. Mm. Um, I was seeing the, the pictures on Instagram. I still followed him because I was seeing the pictures of his family. But, yeah, he had a, a second son born just in May. Um, so really sad. Okay. Our thoughts to their family. Obviously, Kevin, his brother, uh, still in the NHL with the Flyers. He's uh, cousins with the Kachucks and the Fitzgeralds, too. Wow. So his connections all over. And, yeah, you're seeing, like, the tributes for it. Because, I mean, he, he had so many, he played so many different teams. And teams. Yeah, he, yeah, he certainly bounced around. Yeah. Was a decent NHL player. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll take our look at the Central Division. Uh, stay with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back uh, to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, we'll be joined a bit later by the athletics analytics guru, uh, Don Lecision. And uh, but right now we're going to continue our series of uh, uh, divisional previews. Uh, we've gotten through the Eastern Conference uh, last week and we start today in the West and we'll start with the Central Division. And 
Taylor, the Arizona Coyotes have more problems than just what their roster is when you're basically getting kicked out of your mom's apartment at age 20 or whatever they are right now. There are some issues. The Coyotes don't even know where they're going to be playing here in a year or so. Uh, but what do you think of this team right mm -hmm. now, and how is that going to uh, kind of just hang over them all season, I would think? Yeah, I mean, ideally they would be playing in, in Phoenix or closer to Phoenix, not – in, in Glendale in the middle of nowhere. But I mean, as far as the actual team on the ice, I mean, this is, you got to think it's going to be a team close to, um, could be fighting for the, the first overall pick, uh, looking at, at the moves they made. Uh, I mean, they, they had a lot of players go out. Um, uh, I mean, Goligoski, they didn't, well, I mean, they weren't really a good team to begin with, but I mean, Goligoski, Ronta, um, Darcy Kemper, uh, they really didn't add a whole lot. Carter Hutton from the Sabres is probably the most notable addition. But, I mean, yeah, this is going to be a lottery team. Dave, you have covered teams in Pittsburgh here where the future of the organization for a little while, whether it was a ploy by ownership, they're, they're trying to throw a city like Kansas City in there or that the team might be moving. What do you recall the impact being like on a team during a course of a year like that? Uh I mean, it, it certainly the, you know, the unsettled feeling doesn't uh, do well for anyone in the organization, uh, player or otherwise. That was certainly <clears throat> the case with the Penguins in, in the early to, to mid-80s, you know, at least until Lemieux came along in, in 1984. Uh, you know, there was constant talk <clears throat> of them relocating. Uh, Hamilton, Ontario seemed to be the most popular candidate back then but you know there there's no good that can come of that and i mean i guess the fortunate thing for the coyotes is that nobody there really seems to pay attention to them except the transplants anyway so but it's a shame that wherever they end up they couldn't take gila river arena with them because it's a really nice facility so um, that, that whole area is nice that they, they've done a pretty nice job. Too bad it's just out, as Taylor, to use Taylor's line, out in the middle of nowhere. But it is a nice campus. you got the football stadium right there and the beautiful area right around the stadiums. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it, it's not so bad when you're, you know, a visiting writer, you know, going there once a year, you know, to have it be so far from, from the city and from yeah. some of the other uh, populated, heavily populated suburbs. But, uh, yeah, I can see where for, for people who live in the Phoenix area that, that, you know, it would be quite a commute to get the games on a regular basis. Right. Uh, staying in the division, obviously, Chicago Blackhawks, the, a big move they made, Taylor, adding Seth Jones. Uh, this is a team that fancies itself as trying to make one more little run here uh, for not just the playoffs, but maybe a deep run as their stars, uh, Patrick Kane, and and those and the like get older uh your thoughts on their their prospects this year yeah i mean well flurry they got the Vezina winning goalie oh no, that's um, right yes yeah. <laughs> big news um yeah but i mean that's why you know in the beginning when it was flurry wasn't sure whether or not he wanted to go to chicago i mean that's why they didn't move him it's because they want the Vezina winning goalie for this one last year of flurry's contract because you know they think they could make their own push um uh, for the play uh, for a deep run in the playoffs of their own. So, um, yeah, they, they unloaded Seabrook. He was aging. Um, they added, you know, like you said, Seth Jones, uh, uh, Seth Jones and his brother, 
um, got younger, Caleb. so yeah, yeah. Um, from from Edmonton. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah they they could be a, a competitive team next year. Dave, for a team that uh, wanted to add to its goaltending, you'd think they'd spell the guy's name right on his jersey, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, quite a gaffe by the uh, presumably the equipment staff uh, with uh, transposing the E and the U on the, the back of his sweater. Uh, they did get it fixed a few hours later, but uh, the uh, spelling error did, did not go unnoticed on social media, believe it or not. <laughs> what do you think about that team, Dave? Did you, uh, they, they've seemed like they have, they've started to slowly kind of build back up. I, again, I don't know if they're a cup contender, but, but, but your thoughts of, on their progress? I, I think they're probably roughly the same level as the Penguins. You know, they assuming that Jonathan Taves comes back at to something close to the level he played at previously after missing last season. You know, still have Patrick Kane. You know, their their stars are aging, much like uh, the ones here. But you know, they, they gave themselves a nice infusion of of talent and probably enthusiasm uh, during the off season. So, I expect them to be a good team, but not a great one. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, uh, I think one team that, you know, we, 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 everything's, we try to focus locally here. And of course the Penguins were disappointed with their postseason. nationally. I'm not sure many were more disappointed, uh, than the, the folks that, that follow the avalanche. I think they thought they were ready to make a really, really deep run, maybe win the cup. Uh, what do they have to do, uh, to, to finally, uh, live up to all that promise and potential? Yeah, I mean, they were they were pretty close uh, last season. Um, they just ran into, you know, a hot team in the playoffs. But uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. They did have some pretty um, significant changes, too. They lost Brandon Saad in, in free agency. Um, Grubauer uh, to, the, to the Kraken. Um, yeah, Darcy Kemper coming in from Arizona uh, in, in goal. Um, I don't know if... Uh, they took a step back. Um, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say uh, what they need to to do to get over that hump. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the biggest news I think Colorado for me was. Did you guys see that story about how like Nathan McKinnon banned like carbs or whatever from like no their, their locker? Yeah, I like didn't even team. exist. No, it's like. I don't know. I, I can't remember what, what the story was. Um, I think it was like a local like, Colorado newspaper, but like um, no pasta, like after games. Well, I think it, it's like chickpea pasta, like protein pasta, <laughs> and, um, a band like sugar cookies, all that. And uh, so like, if you guys want to eat that stuff, save it for the off season, which um, I don't know. I maybe, maybe the avalanche just need pasta. <laughs> Just coming from his good friend Sydney and Sidney Crosby. Crosby eats a peanut butter and jelly before every game. Like I don't, he, he, Sidney Crosby almost died for a mozzarella stick. Remember that when he broke his jaw, he came out <laughs> after and said like he he tried to eat a mozzarella stick and he almost choked on it. So he almost <laughs> died for a piece of fried cheese. I I think he's fine with pasta, but good um, for him. I know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I don't know. I think they need regular pasta because that chickpea pasta is not that good. <laughs> I think I think it's great that McKinnon found time to get an advanced degree in nutrition during the offseason. So, you know, kudos to him. Dave, what are they doing in goal there? I didn't think Philip Grubauer was 
was I, I mean I, I know that, that that they're they're in tough as far as the the you know the Kraken and all that stuff and an expansion team but we, we're talking here in Pittsburgh a lot of it are did they get any better I agree with Taylor I don't think this team got better in the offseason and they're trying to they're legitimately trying to win a cup with guys in their prime yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they got better. I, I don't think they're as good a team as they were a few months ago, at least as currently constituted. But I still think that team is good enough to seriously contend for a Stanley Cup. Sure. Uh, you know, they they were able to keep Landis Cog. They still have McKinnon. Uh, you know, they have McCarr. They're, you know, they're, they're, that team does not want for talent. No. Um it, you know, if I were putting together a short list of serious cup contenders today, uh, the Avalanche would be on it. Taylor, would Dallas Stars be on your short list of cup contenders? I don't know. I, I mean, no, no, not probably not on my short list. Um, they didn't have a, a ton of two uh, significant changes. I mean, losing Jamie Alexiak, uh, that's huge uh, to the Kraken. Um, they brought in Brayden Holpe and goal. Brayden Holpe was not good in Vancouver. Um, not not a whole lot, I think, to be excited about with uh, with Dallas' off season. Dave, this is a team that was just a year, really, literally almost like a year removed from being the Cup final last year. Yeah, but I think they were kind of a, a one year wonder, right? You know, yeah. right now yeah. I would I would consider them probably the best team in Texas, but you know, <laughs> beyond that. Okay. The Owl and Americans in the East HL always do pretty well, so I don't know if I would say that. <laughs> One team I think that is kind of a little bit on the come is uh, the Minnesota Wild. We had Ian, Ian Cole on, friend of the show, uh, a couple months ago, and this is before he ended up uh, moving along. But I, I, I thought, Taylor, that was a team that uh, showed, some, showed some real promise last year. What do, you, what do you, uh, you think they can get back and maybe make some noise in this division next year? Well, yeah, they got Freddie Hockey. Uh, there you so, go. Yeah. <laughs> what else do they need? They did, uh, yeah, they, Goligoski, uh, probably their uh, biggest uh, offseason addition on defense. Um, yeah, I mean, they did uh, lose Ian Cole. That's uh, significant. But, um, yeah, Freddie Gaudreau, they have a good uh, goaltend. Uh, Kapokakin uh, coming up should get more, you know, regular playing time. I thought, uh, you know, they might lose a goalie to um, the Kraken. Uh, they didn't, but um, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, Pruse, Suter, you know, they had slowed down. That They didn't really work out there. Um, they're gone. Um, but uh, I don't know. They're, they should be a, a playoff team. Uh, Dave, one of the things that you wrote about this week in the insider, uh, was how, uh, you know, one of the things that maybe we sometimes forget is some of the talent, uh, front office talent that's come through Pittsburgh and, and, and then gone out into the, the, the league as, as, as top decision makers. And I think Billy Guerin's done a pretty nice job there with, with the wild. I think he might, uh, ultimately turn out to be the best of the three, uh, guys who I mentioned in there, and that's with all due respect to Tom Fitzgerald, who, who's doing a terrific job uh, in reviving or resurrecting the franchise in New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, Jason Botterill, who had a spotty run as GM in, in Buffalo, but it, 
you know, has uh, settled in very nicely in the uh, the Seattle front office where they they seem to be doing things right. So, but uh, I think Billy Guerin has done a, a very nice job of of getting that franchise in Minnesota turned in the right direction, and it's uh, it's gaining speed. I, uh, it's it's hard to not be impressed by by what he's done there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Nashville, Taylor, your your, your thoughts on this team? That's uh, I don't know what to make of the Predators. I mean, obviously, four or five years ago, they they reached the Cup final for the first time. Uh, playing, losing to the Penguins. Uh, your thoughts on, on on where this team's going? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's hard to say. I mean, Pecorino retiring, um, that's huge. They replaced him with David Riddich. Um, I mean, that's a step back. It's going to be hard to replace Pecorino. Um, Ryan Ellis, uh, he's gone too into the Flyers, as we've talked about a couple times. But, um, yeah, it's hard to, to say really what to make of them, especially after this offseason. Dave? I'm not terribly impressed by what's going on there. I think, you know, Ryan Ellis is a, a very good defenseman that the Penguins won't be happy to see in their division. I like Eric Holley. He's a good centerman. Uh, I'm not sure how much of a loss Pecorino is just because, you know, I think he was reaching the end of the road. Uh, and, you know, they, they lost Arvidsson too, who, you know, was yeah. – uh, could be kind of a pain for opponents. So I don't think they were a particularly good team last season, and I don't see at this point how they've uh, improved themselves much. Yeah. So I, I agree with both of you guys. St. Louis, obviously, just a year, two years removed, a year or two years removed from winning the Cup. Uh, kind of an interesting offseason. They add Buchnevich from the Rangers. Uh, Brandon Saad, who we just mentioned, uh, was in Colorado, had a great playoff run last year. The Pittsburgh native uh, has joined St. Louis. Uh, your thoughts, is this team still a playoff team? Uh, and can they make a little bit more noise this year, Taylor? Um, I, they really weren't that great last season. I mean, they were in the West Division last season, um, and they only made the playoffs because they were in there with the three California teams and the Coyotes, who all were awful. Um, but yeah, now in the, in the central division, I'm not sure, uh, they did have, you know, saw that's, that's a big addition. Um, they're losing Vince Dunn on defense. He went to Seattle. Um, Jaden Schwartz went to Seattle. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if they, I think they got better this off season. I don't know, um, if it's enough with Saad. Border, borderline team, playoff team, Dave, or do you think they're, they, they make it? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, I think a bubble team for getting in. Um, I, I like Dunn. I think that uh, his loss will be felt. I don't think Mike Hoffman was as good in St. Louis as he was in Florida, but his absence might be felt. Um, Blaze, who went to, to the Rangers, you know, I, I don't know how much the, the Blues will miss his uh, ruggedness. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see them getting in or, or missing, really, depending on how things play out for them and other clubs over the course of the season. Yeah. And finally, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, a team that I thought we had some of our guests on last, our national guests last season as the season was kind of coming down. Taylor, there were some people that thought that the Jets could have an outside shot of, of making a really long run. I, I believe they, they won a round and uh, then just got thumped uh, by Montreal, I believe. Uh, your thoughts on, on this, on the Jets going into this coming season? Yeah, I mean, they didn't just win a playoff round. They swept the Oilers. Um, yeah. 
And I mean, even in the regular season, uh, I mean, they held their own in that division. They finished uh, third, I believe, in the North Division. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Brendan Dillon um, on defense from the Capitals, I think he should be a good fit there. Um, just like on a heavy, you know, big uh, defenseman. Uh, should be a good fit in the West. Um, he really wasn't uh, – he'd really kind of slowed down in Washington uh, as of late, but I, I think he should be a better fit there. But um, I don't know. It should at least be an interesting team to follow uh, yeah, next season. Dave, I know with you the, the, the main thing is that DK will make that trip to Winnipeg. If, if they, uh, so you'll be happy about that. But your thoughts on the rest of the team? I mean, I, I don't think they were radically altered from, from the team that finished last season. You know, they added Dylan, they added Nate Schmidt, uh, and Riley Nash, lost Mason Appleton and Matthew Perot. Nate Thompson, I don't think, is quite the player that he was earlier in his career. But, you know, I don't, I don't see any of those, you know, having an epic uh, impact on, on the Jets franchise uh, you know, when, when you have a guy like Hellebuck in goal, I guess anything is always possible. But, you know, I, I don't see them really being a serious uh, cup contender at this point. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will be joined by Don LeCision from The Athletic. Uh, he's gonna, we're going to talk analytics. And uh, please stay with us uh, on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, uh, national analytics guy, the analytics guru at The Athletic, I am not even going to try to pronounce I'm not going to, I screw up names so many times on, on this show that I'm not even going to do it. I'm going to say, introduce Dom from The Athletic. Dom, hit us with your last name. Loose Chishin, but from The Athletic is also an acceptable substitution. Just Dom, Dom at The Athletic. Yeah. Maybe you just do that for my part of it. Uh, Dom does a great job. He's a, a fantastic follow on Twitter, too. Uh, so we're really happy to have him. We like to talk analytics occasionally. We've had Allison on in the past. And Dom, one of the first things I want to know with you, anyone who gets into this and is so passionate about it, is how did you develop an interest in analytics? Were you, were you a hockey fan first who wanted to kind of gain more insight into the game? How, how, did, that, how did it come about for you? Yeah, I've been a hockey fan my entire life. Uh, it's sort of a prerequisite when you grow up in Canada that you just love hockey from a, a young age, and that fits the bill for me. Uh, I've always been like really good with numbers and math, and I think when I was around uh, university age, I thought I was smarter than everyone, as most university students uh, feel at the time, and I figured I could combine math uh, in a way to bet on hockey and win money because also as a university student I was poor um, so that was basically the start of it for me is I wanted to bet on hockey and I've sort of approached analytics from that vantage point and learned as much as I can from other smart people and then developed my own models and metrics to bet on hockey and make a decent side hustle out of it nice 
Well, one of the things, again, that separates you from some other people that are really good uh, uh, out there on, on, who deal with analytics and who can explain to me one of the most important things is translating it to the layman's terms where uh, fans can understand what you're doing. I think you do a very good job. But again, what separates you is you developed your own model. It's the game score value added model. How did you do that? Well, just to touch on the previous point, uh, a lot of the other analytics people come from a math or computer background. My background was journalism because that's the way I thought I would get into the hockey industry at the time. Um, so I learned how to communicate effectively from that program. And because I was good at math, I was able to sort of bridge the gap. Uh, all my modeling stuff, I was self-taught and that applies to my model games for value added where I literally just learned from other people how to do things. And the basic idea was how it started was the year before I did this model, uh, the war on ice guys had uh, their own war model. And I sort of played with making projections based on that. The issue was they all got hired by the NHL and the model or the war model they made stopped getting updated. So there was nothing for the following season. So I wanted to create something that was pretty simple to understand and available based on stats that weren't exactly proprietary, but like that can be always updated and always available for anyone who wanted to use it. And at the time, I think this was the summer that Cleveland won the NBA championship and LeBron was going crazy in the finals and I was reading everything I could about it. And I discovered something called game score for basketball. And the basic gist is I stole it for hockey and just created my own version of it. When you, when you use your model to, to evaluate contracts, predict outcomes for, for seasons, playoff series, you leave yourself open to, to criticism when you're wrong. How do you deal with that? Well, the goal is never to be 100% right. And I think that is what some people mistake uh, the analytics movement for is like, if it's not perfect, then it's useless. And that's not the case because no one in any profession anywhere in any sport is held to that standard except for analytics. There's always going to be times where I'm wrong and the goal is to be less wrong than the next person. And that is the basic idea. So there'll be times where I'll predict a team wins a playoff series 70% of the time and 30% of the time I still expect them to lose. That's the whole idea of why everything I do has a probably attached to it. Even the contract stuff, when I wrote about uh, the worst contracts in the league, I, I think I had Drew Doughty first still. And even with his contract projected out six years or whatever long he signed for, there's still a chance he is positive value. And that's shown in the article. And I think people sometimes forget that that part of the whole analytics movement is the important part is that nothing is a certainty. Everything has a probability attached to it. Yeah, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but with gambling, uh, the connection between analytics and, and fantasy sports gambling, how, how much is that uh, growing? It seems to be growing a lot. Um, and I think the best way to gamble is to have a model because that way you can bet on things consistently and measure things and try to find ways to beat the market. So the market is the most efficient um, way to, I guess, measure game outcomes because you have some extremely rich people putting money on both sides and that usually, they usually don't lose money if they're putting that much down, you know what I mean? And 
you have to try and compete against those people and to have something that can beat the market is usually a pretty special thing and it's hard to come by. Yeah, what is that? What does Zach Askin Reese have to do to get a sulky vote from you? <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat that again? What does Zach Aston Reese have to do to get a sulky vote from you? I saw you left him off your ballot. I, I did leave him <laughs> off my ballot. Um, I had a I had a criteria for uh, for the sulky, and that was to omit players who play uh, uh, lower in the lineup with lesser roles. And I think Zach Aston Reese qualifies. So I think the justification was he had to play 17 minutes per game because that would sort of show the coach entrusting him in those high leverage defensive situations. So if he starts playing that much and trusted that much, then he will definitely get my consideration. Uh, Re-signing Zach Aston Reese aside, the, the Penguins have had a pretty quiet offseason in terms of personnel moves. Uh, they've also been eliminated in the first round three years in a row. Do you see them as any sort of serious Stanley Cup contender at this point? I, I think they can contend just because at this point, there's a lot of teams that can contend for the Cup. There's obviously the teams at the top like Colorado, Tampa Bay, Vegas that obviously the first, but after that, there's a pretty large group of teams that have elite talent but are flawed in some way where you can see them contending, but there's a reason they're not with that top group. And I think Pittsburgh still belongs in that group until Sidney Crosby says otherwise. As long as he's still one of the best players in the world and the team still has some decent forward depth and defensive depth, I think they should be in that upper echelon of the league. And I think the big thing with the Metro division is that I don't know if there's a top dog uh, like the other divisions have, like the Central has Colorado, the Atlantic has Tampa, the Pacific has Vegas. The Metro is still like very much up for grabs and that might make it competitive, but it also means that there's room for Pittsburgh to be that top team like they were last year before they obviously lost in the first round. Well, uh, one of the issues a lot of people have, at least in terms of questions uh, with the Penguins, focuses on their goaltending. Uh, what's your perspective on it? And do you think they can contend with uh, their goaltending as it uh, is made up today? I I really don't know. That's obviously their, their biggest flaw. And, the lucky thing about goaltending being a team's biggest flaw is that it is also the most random and volatile position where one year a goalie can look completely terrible and the next he can be a star. And maybe Tristan Jari can still be that. Maybe Casey DeSmith can be that for a higher workload than he was last year. You really never know with goalies. And I think if the team is good enough and the goaltending falters, they'll do something to solve it because there aren't going to be that many more chances for Crosby and Malkin to win a cup. And that is obviously the, the team's fatal flaw, but I don't mind that they're going to try at least to see what they have with uh, Jari and DeSmith. Uh, Dom, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we, we were talking about the, the game score uh, value added model. Uh, what, and, and as you said, you, you're always trying to be at least 70% right. And sometimes people miss on that with the model that you've had, and you've been working with, what do you think the model does best and uh, what's it best at doing? And what do you think you, you would still like to maybe do better? And maybe it's just you need more uh, data to, uh, to help it along. Well, I want to clarify, like the 70% was just a uh, like a 
example in terms yeah. of like a game. Like we, most people who like try to predict game outcomes, if they get anywhere close to 60%, like that's a, a great model. And that's the other thing with why there may be some people who are, I guess, combative about it is they don't realize just how hard it is to predict hockey games because on any given night, any team can win. And that makes the probabilities a lot, there's a lot more parity in it. Um, but yeah, as in terms of model improvements, uh, there's literally always room for improvement. There's no model out there that's perfect. It's impossible. But for me, I really just want more data to sort of separate individual talents. I think there's a bit of collinearity between uh, players on certain teams, sort of like the Sedin effect. You can't really separate two players who play together uh, as effectively as you might want to and sort of separate like what skills benefit other skills in terms of fit between players. So for example, Taylor Hall was a terrible fit in Buffalo, but a perfect one in Boston. Um, and that sort of thing, I think, is something that's difficult to sort of gauge from just a model, which just tells you how valuable a player is. Certain players will have more value on some teams and some systems compared to other teams in other systems. And I think that's something where more data is necessary to sort of separate um the player's skill set, talent, and abilities and how they drive their on-ice results. Because right now, a lot of it is determined by what a player does on the ice versus what he does, what, what the team does when he's on the bench and comparing those two numbers. But even when he's on the ice, there's so many things going on where you'd want more granular and refined data to sort of tell you who's actually doing a lot of the work out there. Right. And tell listeners, uh, I know one of the things you have out there right now is your annual fan survey of confidence in, in NHL teams. When will those results, uh, when, when will you be dropping those, the results of that? I, I just finished my, my vacation and I still have to dig into all of that, but I'm hoping that uh, they'll be available on Wednesday. And I haven't even looked at them yet, so I don't know how people are feeling. So I'm excited to dig into that. All right. Dom, Dom at The Athletic does a great job with his model and the analytics. And again, it, it's such, it's becoming such an Im important role, not only in the sport itself, but as Taylor mentioned with the fantasy sports, which is becoming so big and the gambling, which Dom alluded to Dom, it was great to have you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, and also thanks as always to Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. That's it for this, this edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. We will check back with you later this week. Thank you.